0: Welcome to Yogi, Swamis, and Swindlers, a podcast for the Inner Explorer, with me, your host, Ramgiri Baba. Episode 6: Becoming a Guni: Three Qualities of Life. Hello once again, and thanks ever so much for tuning in to the Yogi Swamis and Swindlers Podcast. I hope you are keeping well and doing your best to absorb and activate some of the yogic and life concepts that we have been discussing over the last five episodes. In today's episode, we will continue to explore the concept of balance in different areas of our being, focusing on the three essential qualities called gunas and how we become a guni, which is a person who lives in spiritual harmony. Remember that we generally start anything, including balance, with the simple, most tangible, and most accessible parts of ourselves, and then gradually work on other, more subtle areas. This follows our little morsel of wisdom, which states, begin at the beginning, which asks us to identify the most basic, physical, tangible parts of ourselves and working on those first. As these areas gradually come into balance, then other areas become more open and accessible to us and we can work on balancing those parts, and so on, and so on. Consider how you learn something well. If you want to be a dancer, generally start with the basic moves that the rest of the style is built on and then gradually more subtle and expressive movements become available to you. If you are exploring hatha yoga, you start with the fundamental asanas and basic practices and slowly build up to more advanced and effective practices. So one of the ways that we have been approaching balance is from the fundamentals of balance in the physical body, which is in the muscles. Flexibility and strength are the two qualities that are at play in the balancing of our physical layer and as we saw last episode, an imbalance of either flexibility or strength in any area can cause problems. When we identify muscle groups that are not balanced between flexibility and strength, we use our intelligence and commitment to balance to try and remedy the imbalance through a focused attention to the problem areas. If we find that certain muscles are inflexible, we spend extra time, energy, and attention on those areas to change the situation. Remember that yoga is conscious transformation, and it is a perfect example of using our consciousness to change what needs to be changed. If we find that certain muscles are weak or overly flexible, we apply our knowledge and do our best to remedy that situation. Working in this way will give you a vital experience of balance, for how do we work towards deeper balance if we have never had a direct experience of it? If we don't feel something, it's just a concept in our minds, not a reality. Every time we experience a state of balance, this helps us find balance in other areas because we have direct experience. The experience and feeling of basic balance is what balance in all the other areas are grounded in. So, the more you can feel balance, the easier it is to develop balance in other, more subtle areas. Yoga is about cultivating practical, real, and direct experience. And hopefully, that is what all of our decisions and practices are built upon. Ideas and concepts are just not enough to go on. We have to feel and then react and respond. This feeling is called bhav in Hindi or bhava in Sanskrit. Bhav means a whole being experience. It refers to the mood or emotion that we have at any moment in life. Yoga practice is designed to give us a special type of bhav and feeling that we don't easily get in other situations. Of course, the bhav we are after is one of boundless connection, harmony, and grace. That mood is where yoga is intended to take us. We get a special, juicy bhav if our yoga practice is an expression and exploration of balance and harmony. When we practice in this way, our personal feeling, or bhav, that we get from being in balance lasts long past the end of the practice and shifts our personal reality and experience of life. We know we are doing something right when we feel more and more balanced, happy, content, and clear for longer and longer periods of our daily life. All in all, yoga is about cultivating feeling and bhav more than it is about performing postures and specific techniques. Postures and practices are only tools to develop our bhav and personal reality in a positive way. Recall how last episode we were discussing the different qualities that we create through yoga and living which are the state of balance, the state of too much, and the state of too little. Each of these situations will give us a different type of bhav and feeling. Generally, balance will take us into more balance and give us pleasant and happy bhav, and too much or too little will result in experiences of disharmony, disconnection, or dissatisfaction. In other words, bad bhav. If we look into these situations a little more deeply, we can see a number of different things that could occur if we do too much or too little. There are many situations where we will experience the direct results of our actions of too much or too little. When we do too much or too little of something, the imbalances that occur might be felt in the organism immediately. If you are stretching your back, for example, in Tanasana, which is a seated straight leg forward bend, and you are too keen and push it too hard, you will feel the strained back muscles quite soon after the practice, or even during the practice. The pain in the back muscles is an immediate effect of your doing too much back muscle stretching. Hopefully you did not push it so far into too much stretching that you caused a lasting injury in your back but the pain you feel is a message that you have gone too far. I've heard many stories from yogis over the years about when they are doing a posture and suddenly there is a pop in their body and suddenly and immediately there is an injury. This is definitely a situation of too much. I've even heard of situations where the teacher comes around to the students during the class and applies pressure to deepen the student's pose. This could be the teacher pushing down on the back of a student in a forward bend or even laying or standing on them to get them to go deeper. And mat mad, huh? For some bodies, this is not a problem. But for other bodies, the application of strong pressure of another person's body weight on theirs is way too much for their muscles. This can be a very dangerous situation because the intensity of the stretch is more than the muscles can take, and the results might be an ominous pop in some muscle, which generally indicates that a major injury has just occurred. Without a doubt, this is a case of too much. Too much pressure on a particular area of the body be it a muscle, joint, or anything else, can certainly cause an immediate and distinct problem, with the effects of your overdoing it being immediately apparent through the sensation of pain and discomfort. However, this is not the only type of problem that can occur from doing too much or too little. When something is obvious, it's obvious. Sometimes when you overstretch an area like your lower back, right away there is a sensation that something is not quite right. This is an important signal to you to change the way you are approaching your practice. I know certain yoga styles tell you to practice through pain and injury, but this is controversial and not recommended, certainly in the case of severe injury. Better your reaction should be, oh dear, I've done something and now it doesn't feel quite right, let me be more aware and careful for a while around that area. If it's a real injury, you won't have a choice in the matter actually, because pain forces us to pay attention to areas that are not in balance and treat them with more respect. The situation of too much or too little is much easier to deal with when the effects of your actions are immediately apparent. You tweak a muscle and you feel it right away and acknowledge the warning. The trickier part of too much or too little is when the results of your actions accumulate gradually over the course of months or years. It can take ages for the body to display symptoms of more subtle imbalances and problems, instead of showing you right away that something's not right. For example, the people that neglect to stretch their muscles regularly might not notice any change day by day, but as the years go by, their mobility becomes more and more limited and eventually they recognize that their bodies have undergone a distinct change. It just took years for them to notice that they have done not enough stretching, and by the time they realized it, the body was very still and immobile. Waiting so long to do something about an imbalance makes it a very, very long and difficult road back to balance if going back is possible at all. This insidious accumulation is particularly troublesome because the bad effects creep up slowly without us realizing it. It can happen in any area of life, not just the physical body. Low level stress can build up over time without our noticing because we just adapt to it. Stress becomes something that is normal to us and we just cope with it. But the effects eventually become impossible to ignore when the pot boils over and our systems cannot maintain normal functioning anymore. Then the problems start, and we have to acknowledge that the stress is a chronic problem and we are forced to change or become even more imbalanced. You're probably asking yourself then, how do we know when we are getting imbalanced through the slow accumulation of too much or too little? This is certainly a difficult question and not easily answered. Most of us are going to experience that situation in some part of our lives. It's just something that happens over time, and we have to adjust when we notice it. Of course, developing higher levels of personal awareness is key, and a daily yoga practice is something that gives us a regular perspective on our own balance or imbalance. One solution that is suggested by Ayurveda is what is called seasonal purification. Every so often, yearly at the very least, a person is recommended to suspend most normal activities and enter into a period of purification where one spends extra time getting in touch with themselves and their health, their imbalances, and their general situation. This is a time where the accumulated toxins and imbalances are recognized and driven out of the body. It's a time where our minds are more focused on the body and on our health, and we can do a general reset of our organism. During this special time, you are more likely to be aware of things that you need to change, instead of carrying on with your accustomed patterns that are imbalanced, habitual, and unconscious. I know it's very hard to see the big picture and the direction that your life of balance is taking and you don't always get it right. But as always, awareness is key. Try to be moderate in what you do and don't let things get more and more extreme, either in too much or too little. Ask yourself, if I carry on like this, what will I end up with in five or ten years time? It's a worthwhile question even if you don't know for certain what the answer is. After all, how could you know? Life is time and life is changed and we don't know everything that will happen but at least we can have some awareness around our core areas of potential imbalance. If nothing else, take some time regularly to check in with yourself, your feelings, behavior and habits, and reset as best you can, so that you can know yourself better and be in full awareness of the dynamics of your life. Hey, it's our old friend Swadhyaya again. She serves us faithfully every step along the way. Gunas When we look at ourselves and the things that bring us into and out of balance, it's important to recognize that things, substances, events, foods, thoughts, etc. all have qualities that affect us. Qualities are like the traits that make up and define something, like chilies are hot, ice cream is cold, desert is dry, violence is aggravating, and so on. We can assign general qualities to things, but our reaction to them is unique to us, though most people will react in a similar way to basic qualities like hot sun will make most people sweat. Qualities are not a hard and fast rule, but a general way of categorizing and understanding something, in itself and in relation to ourselves or others. It's no surprise that yoga philosophy and Sanskrit has a special word that is used when we speak of the particular qualities of something, and that word is guna. G-U-N-A. Guna. Like most other Sanskrit words, it has multiple definitions and usages in a variety of contexts, but generally the word guna refers to a quality, attribute, or property. In the context of music, language, arts, or literature, guna means string, thread, rope, sinew, or musical chord, and in spiritual literature it means virtue, merit, or excellence. In the yoga context, guna refers to the tendency, attribute, property, or quality. As you can see, there are multiple uses of this special word guna, but we will focus on the most common and useful usage, which is commonly used in spiritual contexts and occasionally in yoga classes as well. In this usage, something or someone is possessed of a combination of three different possible qualities, or gunas, which are balanced, overactive, or underactive, to put it simply. These three qualities are continually morphing and changing within us, but often one influences us more than the others in a particular time or situation. After a time, the dominant guna might change and a different one might influence us for a while. Our existence is, in a certain perspective, just a continual play of the gunas, an interplay of the three qualities of balanced, too much and too little that is happening on gross and subtle levels of our being every moment of our lives. So the play of balance in the gunas is happening within us on every level, from the qualities of our thoughts and emotions, to our actions, our digestion, our energetic balance, and even all the way down to the functioning of each and every cell. For example, we can have too much thinking, balanced thoughts, or not enough thinking. There is nowhere within us that the gunas do not influence. The gunas are also applied to life on every level, not just our personal being. Gunas are general qualities that the universe is possessed of, and every being, organism, object, planet, and weather pattern operates within the influence of the gunas. The balance of each and everything, everywhere, is flowing and changing due to the influence of the gunas. Animals experience the gunas, trees experience the gunas, even the planets experience the gunas. Let's learn the specific names of each guna to make our conversation easier. Let's start with the guna of balance, which is called sattva, S-A-T-T-V-A, sattva. Sattva's qualities are harmony, balance, goodness, purity, universality, creativity, positivity, peacefulness, and virtue. These are certainly the most desirable qualities that we want to experience in our lives. Sattva is the state that will encourage us to shine and help us move towards the highest consciousness we can experience in life. It is a state that will keep us healthy, clear, and peaceful, and flowing along in life. Sattva is comprised of two Sanskrit roots. Sat means truth, and twa means the state of being in. So sattva means living in truth. When you cultivate sattva, you become satvik or possessed of the quality of sattva. There are a number of other important words that incorporate the truth that is sat, like satsang, which is experiencing truth through the presence of sattvic people, and satya, which is the practice of being sattvic, as mentioned in the Yamas of the Yoga Sutras. Developing sat in our lives is the primary yogic and spiritual goal, regardless of how you may practice or explore it. We want sattva in each of our yoga poses, so that each and every physical expression of our bodies in yoga is one of balance, harmony, and truth. Doing it in the body is a great place to develop the basics of sattva. We also want to cultivate sattva in our speech, our breath, our thoughts, and our deeds. A spiritual master always displays qualities of sattva, and the unique qualities of harmony that these people display bring those around them into greater levels of truth, goodness, purity, and balance. One can find sattvic people everywhere, but in India there is a greater number of sattvic people because it is considered the ultimate state one can attain and is prioritized in spiritual practice. Truly, there is nothing like being in the presence of a sattvic person, and one always walks away from such an encounter uplifted and more established in truth. One gets inspiration to do and be better when one has some sattvic teachers to spend time with. These people give us a glimpse of what being truly balanced is and provide us with an actual experience of sattva that we can build our conscious transformation upon. If there is anything we want to consciously transform into, it is a sattvic person of balance, harmony, peace, and truth. At least, that is the goal of spiritual life anyway. For most of us, sattva will come and go, just as balance comes and goes. We will have times of sattva, and then the ship of our inner qualities will veer off on a different course and stray into the tumultuous waters of imbalance. Our second guna is called rajas, which means too much, and has the qualities of stimulation, aggravation, activity, passion, egoism, movement, and desire. All of these qualities point to a state of activation, of energetic movement that is stimulating and agitating. When we do too much or become agitated or full of desire, it is called being rajasic, and much of our lives are states of overdoing things to the point of imbalance. Rajas is what we call the situation of too much, and we become rajasic when we have lots of rajas guna in our lives. A rajasic situation can be anything where we are overly active and experience an imbalanced state during or afterwards. Commonly work or even play can be rajasic if we act in such a way that we lose our balance center. Exercise and even yoga is a good example because of the way most people approach success and goals. Many people strive to attain or achieve more and ever more. It is like the spirit of competition, which is classically rajasic. If you ran so far or so fast last time, you want to try to beat that distance or speed next time, and you do whatever it takes to achieve that. Doing more could possibly take you into balance, but generally people keep pushing things forward more and more and more and become rajasic. Unfortunately, yoga is a classic example of modern humans putting their rajasic goals of competition and higher achievement into the asana practice. If you can do a handstand, surely a one-handed handstand is better. If you can do a headstand for five minutes, surely ten minutes is better, right? If the person next to you on the mat is going into a pose, you should try to match their pose or go deeper, right? If some is good, more must be better, right? Well, that line of reasoning is very questionable in the context of the gunas and balance. Overrunning, over yogaing, overworking, over drinking, over eating, over talking, over fasting, over everything takes us out of sattva. Many of us have to be very careful about our rajasic behavior and take a close assessment of the things that we do that are just too much, for the results of rajasic living can be unpleasant or even harmful. Rajasic activities tend to make us fiery and intense, competitive and even aggressive. When we continue to be imbalanced and rajasic, these qualities accumulate and being even more rajasic becomes easier and more natural as time goes on, and we stray further and further from the calm and deep waters of sattva. There's nothing inherently wrong with striving to achieve something, don't get me wrong, but it's important not to let it get away from you and take you too far down the rajasic path. Our third guna is that of tamas, which is the state of too little or not enough. Tamas, T-A-M-A-S, tamas, is imbalanced in that it has qualities of heaviness, dullness, inactivity, lethargy, delusion, and ignorance, among other heavy qualities. If rajas is the state of doing too much, tamas is a state of doing too little. When you feel heavy after a meal and have to lay down, this is tamas, dullness. When you sleep loads and even feel heavy after you wake up, this is the condition of tamas. When we don't have balance, or don't activate our energy, or overspend our energy, we end up tamasic, which is when we experience dullness or tamas. If we are tired all the time, generally we have too much tamas, and this will get in the way of living life, or practicing yoga. When we can't change easily, or are stuck in patterns that we can't seem to escape, be they physical, mental, or emotional, this is tamas. It restricts us and makes us feel like we cannot move or grow. It limits us to very specific, set patterns of behavior that are not harmonious, balanced, or established in truth. Particularly troubling is tamas in the mind, which creates mental dullness or rigidity that blocks us from change or transformation. Many things can make us tamasic – heavy foods, too much food, oversleeping or over netflixing, not enough movement in a day, certain drugs like opioids, heavy thoughts or even heavy weather. Even too much savasana, yin or yoga nidra can increase our tamas. There's a funny pattern I've noticed in yoga with regards to the gunas. People often practice hard, strong, and intensely, which is rajasic. After they overdo their movement, they collapse in savasana, the corpse pose, which seems to be a tamasic reaction to their rajasic asanas. But luckily for them, the two extremes seem to balance each other out, and they emerge from savasana, at least temporarily, feeling great and sattvic. So at least the end result is sattvic, but it would be preferable for the sattva to predominate through the whole practice. Being that the gunas are in constant shift and play within us and all around us, it takes a certain amount of awareness and insight to monitor sattva, rajas and tamas. As we already know, there is not a set and scientific formula to attain sattva, so we have to use our intelligence and self-knowledge to adapt and adjust as we see fit. What brings one person into sattva might totally disrupt the balance of another person. Remember my example from last episode about the hot power yoga class and how that agitates me and increases my rajas. For other people, probably the ones that have more tamas than myself, a hot power yoga class is perfect. Just what the yogi doctor ordered. A great way to bring tamas into balance sattva through movement and intensity. Unfortunately, due to human nature, it's more often the rajasic people who want more intensity and seek out the hot power yoga class which just increases their rajas instead of their sattva, but this is straying into areas that we will have to discuss at a later date. One way or another, successful yoga practice and successful life is the continual adjustment that we make to move towards, be in, and stay in sattva as much as possible. We learn about our own tamasic heaviness, our own active rajas, and the nature of our sattvic balance, and play around with the dynamics as we live. See if you can view the world and yourself through the lens of the gunas and see what you discover. Can you adjust rajas and tamas to create sattva, truth, and balance in your yoga practice? How about in your daily life? The gunas provide one of the most valuable worldviews and perspectives on life that we have. It can shift your entire experience and understanding of life if you simply consider whether the things you encounter in life are invested with rajas, tamas, or sattva and react accordingly. It's revolutionary, I promise you. If you approach life this way and gain the state of lasting sattva, you become what is called a guni, which means the person who is invested with divine qualities, a person who has mastered the gunas, just like a yogi is a person who has attained the unity of yoga. So strive to be a guni and you will enjoy your life and realize the bliss of truth. Om Tat Sat Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on the Gunas. In the next episode, we will wander the fascinating paths of yogic wisdom once again and see what we encounter. There is still plenty to discuss about balance, and we will get into the more physical and tangible aspects of balance in regards to the physical body and asana practice now that we have covered the essentials of the Gunas and other fundamentals. I hope you tune in. in. If you want to experience this philosophy and yoga approach directly and have some experience of all this, consider joining us on a course in Thailand, India, or Europe. Please check our schedule on swarayogaacademy.com or write me directly through the podcast comments. The best way to learn is through direct experience, so join us on the mat for a course. So until next time... Be a guni and live in balance and truth every waking moment, or at least when you remember to. Go in peace, and I'll meet you there. This is Ram Giri Baba wishing you clarity and prosperity. Hari Om Shanti Shanti Shanti